Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 welcome. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know when I say four welcomes, that means we have four guests on the panel. Welcome to Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Okay, I have a quote from Jack Dangermond. You may not know his name. I do now. He is an American billionaire businessman and environmental scientist. In 1969, he co-founded with his wife, Laura, the Environmental Systems Research Institute, ESRI, E-S-R-I. Here is the quote, GIS technology will evolve into a nervous system for our planet. I want you to just let that sink in for a second. Words of wisdom. I'll tell you in a minute what that all means. So, We're talking about the Internet of Things. It's connecting billions and billions of devices. Some people say by 2020 we'll have 50 billion. Some say 100 billion. I don't think anybody really knows for sure. But what's important is sensors are getting attached, embedded into everything, and data is coming in volumes and droves and tsunamis. Who is capturing it? Who is mining it? Where is it coming from? One question is, Where are these devices? Where are these sensors? We talk about them as though they're just a fact of life now. And in fact, they are. But are they inside maybe your refrigerator? Are they inside a delivery truck on its way to bring some special package to you? Are they inside a gas pipeline and need to convey to the operator repairs are urgently needed? Where are these sensors? So we're going to talk today about something called spatial analytics, which is at the heart of GIS technology, global information systems. And we're going to answer some of these questions and more, giving a context to what in the world is going on with IoT. We talk about it all the time, but we never really deep dive into where is this, all this data coming from? We think we know, but we don't really. So we have a panel of experts who are going to help explain all of this. The house is packed today, I'm telling you. Let me tell you who they are briefly, and then we'll get started with our opening quotes. First up, in just a minute, I will welcome Robert Godfrey, Data Analytics Manager, Research and Development at Florida Crystals. He will tell us all about his company, and he has a great opening quote in just a minute. Joining him on the panel is Steve Benner, Senior Advisor at Cybertech Software and Systems, Inc. Joining them is Leandro Rodriguez. He, th- I think he told me I can call him Leo for short, but I like the way Leandro sounds. We'll stay with that. General Manager, Americas for ESRI. Aha, the source of the opening quote. And and a colleague of his at ESRI, Doug Carroll, who is a developer. So welcome to our esteemed panel. Looking forward to learning a lot from you. Robert Godfrey at Florida Crystals has sent me a quote from Edward Tuft, T-U-F-T-E, Edward Rolf Tuft. I call him a young guy. He was born in 1942. That's young as far as I'm concerned. American statistician. Professor Emeritus of Political Science, Statistics, Computer Science at Yale University, known for his writings on information design and a pioneer in data visualization. Here's the quote. The commonality between science and art is in trying to see profoundly to develop strategies of seeing and showing. Robert Godfrey, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having Good. me. Good. You're very far away. Aaron, I need you to boost him a little bit because I can't hear him. And I need you a little closer to your microphone, please, Robert, so we can hear you better. 
Okay? Sure. Can you hear me better now, Bonnie? It's getting better. It's getting better. Thank you very much. So talk to me about the quote, and, and I want you to bring into here the idea, well, visualization, seeing and showing. I didn't even use the word maps, and I probably should have in my intro. So why don't you tie this together for us? Right. So Edward Tuft, he was a pioneer in data visualization, and one of the beautiful things that he did was to show us how you can be simple simplistic and elegant with your data visualizations, meaning focus on the data. And the way this ties to mapping and location technologies is that inherently location is, a, is complex. There's a lot of quantitative information and, and different things that you can visualize in a map. And the, the beauty of it is that you can demonstrate that information in a map very easily. You can showcase very highly complex relationships between different spatial attributes and and different uh, business attributes. And if done well, everyone can just at a glance look at that map and know exactly what they need to know. You can see the the data and, and really showcase just the data. Interesting. I have a question for you. We often talk about what came first, what crossed the road first, the chicken or the egg, or I don't know, something like that. Question is, what came first, the map or the sensor? Do we need a map to know where to put the sensor for Internet of Things, for connectivity, or do we need the sensor first to give us the view of the map? Question for you. Robert, any thoughts? Well, of course, you know, maps came first. I'm always amazed at how cartographers of old would ride in their their ships to explore new lands. You know, the areas on maps where they used to write, here be dragons. And Mm. and what (laughs) that that was an empirical relationship, right? They had to be there. Uh, So the maps were there first, but someone had to explore it. In a way, the people then were the censors. So now... We are building this digital ecosystem that not only is helping us to update and provide data and maps and spatial information in real time, but to dyna- uh, dynamically update that information. Thank you for the answer. You surely put me in my place. I appreciate that. I was thinking more of, of these new spatial maps that we're getting today that we didn't have before. We'll be, we'll be talking a lot more about this. Thank you, Robert. Welcome to the show. And when we get around to the personal part of what you're, what's in your cup today, we'll ask you to tell us a little bit about your company. So thank you and welcome. And now let's move around the table just a little bit to Steve Benner at Cybertech Software and Systems. And Steve Benner has sent us a quote from Stephanie Meyer. She spells her first name a little bit differently than you expect, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, like Stephen, the man's name, I-E, and I had no idea who she was, and now I'm slapping myself silly because she is the originator of the Twilight novels, the Twilight books, young Amer- young adult fiction writer, film producer, the vampire romance series Twilight. Uh, she has sold over 100 million copies, translated into 37 languages, Unbelievable, and she was added to the the Times Magazine's list of 100 most influential people back in 2008, the Forbes Celebrity 100 list of the most powerful celebrities, and she is making and the vicinity of about $50 million a year. Uh, I just can't stop saying enough. I'm sorry I didn't know who she was. I haven't seen the Twilight movies, but here's a really cool quote that Steve Benner has selected from Stephanie Meyer. Quote, sometimes the best hiding place is the one that's in plain sight. Love the quote. Steve Benner, how are you? 
I'm fine, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. How'd you get the quote and how does it really, what's hiding in plain sight? The sensor, the map, the app, the, the, the connectivity? Where are we? <laughs> well, pretty much all of that is uh, hiding in plain sight. Um, the spatial data uh, is all over the place within your business systems. If you think about uh, uh, SAP CRM, for example, or supply chain, there's usually addresses in there for customers or warehouse locations. Uh, that's spatial data. Uh, that address can get resolved to a point on the map. And some estimates put that spatial component of business data as high as 80%. Um, you certainly have spatial data collected from uh, GPS, from the thing that probably everybody on this uh, call, this uh, show, has in their pocket, and that's a cell phone. Right? Mm-hmm. These are all picking up location data. <clears throat> so uh, spatial data is everywhere, and uh, the topic of this uh, IoT is, is uh, growing. Spatial data, the billions of devices, uh, it's not only in your business systems and tabular data, but actual sensors providing uh, XY coordinates, both fixed and moving. And, uh, you know, the other thing is uh, the spatial data is most often locked up in those systems. It doesn't get pulled out and put into those maps that Robert was talking about, right? And a lot of that is because people don't have a place really to store and access that spatial data, right? So, uh, and, they, and they often don't know about it. So databases like uh, SAP HANA, you can put spatial data in there, but many people don't know that HANA actually will hold spatial data. And then the other thing that, uh, you know, is sort of important is if, if you're not um, familiar with something, you often don't see it, right? And a lot of people don't see the spatial use cases uh, because mm-hmm. they're not familiar with what spatial can do. Uh, and it's, I'm reminded of my uh, Uncle Norman uh, when I went hunting as a young man. <laughs> Norman always walked in the back of us, and we'd hmm. walk by whatever we were hunting, pheasant, deer, it didn't matter. And after a while, his gun would go off, and he'd, he'd shoot something that we walked right by and didn't see. So spatial data, you know, a place to put the spatial data and spatial use cases are all out there in most organizations, uh, but they just don't see it. (laughs) Interesting. Hiding in plain sight. Thank you very much for wrapping that one up. I'm just surprised I didn't know the name Stephanie Meyer. I I should have known her name somehow, somewhere, somewhere along the way. Are you a big fan of the Twilight series, Steve? Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for anything with a vampire or a werewolf in it. I know it's silly for a man my age. But <laughs> never, never say that. Never say that. Forget about man my age or your age or whoever's age we're talking about. It, it, it's wonderful. Dream on, dream on. That's all I can say. Thank you very much, and thanks for thanks for bringing me up to date on my cultural lackings here. I appreciate it. Always interested in learning, so thank you. Steve, we have a lot more coming from you, but now I'm going to turn my attention to one of our two panelists from ESRI. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's Leo Rodriguez. Leo, do you want me to call you Leandro or Leo? What's your preference today? I'll give you a choice. Um, hello, Bonnie, and thanks for having me. Whatever you like, uh, Leo, Leandro. Whatever I like Leandro. I'm, I'm sticking with Leandro. I, I just like the way that sounds. So Leandro has sent us a quote from Richard Saul Werman. Here's another name I didn't know. Boy, did I learn a lot prepping for this show. Richard Saul Werman, W-U-R-M-A-N, born in 1935. 
He's kind of a young one as far as I'm concerned. He's written and designed at least 83 books, and he created the TED Conference. Come on, everybody knows TED, the TED Conferences, as well as TED Med and the WW Suite of Gatherings. Two of his books are very interesting, uh, Notebooks and Drawings of Louis I. Kahn, and What Will Be Has Always Been, the seminal collection of the works of Kahn. Uh, actually, and what's interesting to me is that Richard Saul Werman works with Esri, very interesting. I didn't know that. Here's the quote Leandro has selected. Three little words that pack a punch. Understanding precedes action. Officially, Leo, Leandro, welcome to Game Changers. Now, talk to me about this quote. Uh, thanks for having me, Bonnie. So, I'll probably take it a, a, a step up from the vision level from, from Robert um, and Steve. And um, we like to say location and maps and GIS. Uh, help us uh, make better decisions, but what they really help us is to actually understand. Uh, so a map is a pattern made understandable, and that understanding uh, help us carefully analyze and view information to make better, more, more accurate decisions, right? Um, this happens at the micro level, so understanding your business or understanding the impact of a building or a development in its own environment. Um, it also happens at a little bit more of a back macro level um, through urban planning and or understanding an environment or environmental impact in a region or a city. And ultimately, um, location and GIS help us understand our world and inform our actions for decision-making. So an, another way to say this um, Bonnie's, you and I, and, and all of us living in a world and at a time that is increasingly challenged, uh, there are many, many trends that are um, worrisome. Uh, that mm -hmm. we, we're constantly battling, battling the loss of nature, urban sprawl, um, population growth, or overpopulation consumption. So at the heart of, of uh, sort of countering these trends, um, is understanding, and at the heart of understanding is location of maps. So maps help us analyze and correlate information uh, to make decisions through a organized framework and organized process. So that's, that's how I relate that phrase to the overall theme of location and, and uh, GIS. Thank you very much, Leandro. Pleasure to have you on the show. A lot more coming from you. We'll talk with you and your colleague, Doug, in a few minutes about what you're doing at Esri. But am I pronouncing it right? Esri or Esri? What do you prefer? No, Esri is fine. Esri is fine. Esri. Okay, thank you. Want to get all my, all my pronunciations right here. And now Doug Carroll waiting in the wings, developer at Esri. And Doug has sent us a quote from John Kabat-Zinn. If anybody wants to look him up, uh, he's an American professor emeritus of medicine and the creator of the Stress Reduction Clinic and Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at UMass. That's University of Massachusetts Medical School. He teaches mindfulness. We've done some radio shows about mindfulness. He says it helps people cope with stress, anxiety, pain, and illness. And I'm going to propose that if you have a good map, that will reduce your stress, your anxiety, your pain, and your illness. Am I right, Doug? But, Doug, let me read the quote first from John Kabat-Zinn. Wherever you go, there you are. Welcome, Doug Carroll. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Bonnie. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Talk to me about the quote. Are you a practitioner of mindfulness? Are you a big fan of Mr. Kabat-Zinn? 
Yeah, and I think that quote is best said in a whisper. Okay. Wherever you go, there you are. Okay. Um, I, I think uh, it's, this quote has a lot of meaning in today's discussion, talking about location. Um, but at Esri, a big part of being uh, a member of the company is just being professional, being confident in who you are. And wherever you go, that's who you have to be. Uh, so I like the quote. I thought it was fitting for today's discussion. I have to agree with you. I think there is a paraphrase of that from Yogi Berra or a couple of versions of that from Yogi Berra, but we won't get into that. He's very frequently quoted on our shows. Thank you so much, Doug. Let me circle around the panel and let's, before we ask, well, I'm going to ask three questions instead of two. Let me start back with Robert Godfrey at Florida Crystals. Number one, where are you calling from, Robert? Number two, what are you drinking right now or... What would you rather be drinking that will really, really make you smile? And number three, give me the 90-second overview of what your company does. Go ahead, Robert. Okay, Bonnie. I am right now in uh, very close to West Palm Beach, Florida, so sunny South Florida. It's actually a pretty chilly day here. I think it's actually in the 50s, so everyone around here is suffering. (laughs) But um, as for my drink... Uh, we have a good coffee culture down here. Most people drink what you would know as a uh, cafecito. Cafecito is a strong, a small espresso shot sweetened with sugar. And um, I take it to the to another level and add a lot of cream, which is known as a cortadito. And uh, that is my go-to drink. You just have to be careful not to drink too much of them in the, in a short time frame, or else your your heart will get really get racing. But, uh, you don't want the heart to get racing. Go ahead. I'll tell you a story about hearts <laughs> no. getting racing from coffee in a second. But you tell me, tell me what you do. So I, I'm the lead. Um, the, I lead a team of data scientists and data analysts here at Florida Crystals, and uh, our goal is to use various technologies, such as, and one of the main aspects of that in agriculture is lo- the location technology, and in um, <clears throat> IoT actually. So Florida Crystals is a sugar company. So mm-hmm. our, our quote and what we take our pride in is we do everything. We're vertically integrated, and we do offer sugar from the farm to the table. A large section of it is organic. We try to be as eco-friendly as possible by um, looking at our processes, and then um, also we have our own... Um, power generation plant. So we take the, the byproduct of the sugar cane when it's gone to the mill and, and actually use that to generate our own power until that power actually goes into the local community. So whenever I drink my, uh, my cortadito and have some sugar in it, I, I know that it's coming from a good place. I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you very that that tied it all together very nicely. Thank you, Robert. And let, let's now move to Steve Benner. Steve, I will ask you similar questions. Where are you right now? What's your favorite drink? And tell us what is Cybertech Software and Systems, and what do you do there? <laughs> okay, Bonnie. Well, right now I'm in uh, sunny Southern California, where it's uh, raining quite heavily. <laughs> And uh, I'm thinking about uh, my place back in Maine where I got a picture this morning from um, a friend with a yardstick showing 20 inches of snow. So uh, I wish I was back there, actually, uh, to play in the snow. But I'm happy here. 
and I'm drinking just a regular coffee, but um, if I was to have a, a sort of a favorite coffee, I guess it would be Starbucks with uh, a Starbucks cappuccino with a shot of Bailey's, a little whipped cream, and a sprinkle of cinnamon on top. Ooh, be still my <laughs> heart. That sounds good. I think I know where I'm going after the show. Go ahead. <laughs> what do yeah. you do? What is CyberTech? <clears throat> Uh, well, CyberTech uh, is an organization that helps um, customers really bring um, mapping, particularly ESRI, GIS, together with SAP applications. So, uh, in a nutshell, really what people want to do, all of that data that I talked about earlier that's sitting around the organization unseen, they help people bring this into SAP applications or bring SAP data into the mapping applications because what people really want to do, uh, they want to see where their data is, the spatial distribution of it, what's close, what thing is close to another thing. I've got a, something to fix uh, in the field, a pump, where's my closest crew, these kind of things. <clears throat> so you want to visualize things on a map, but as soon as somebody sees something on a map, they're, they're like a kid, right? They want to touch it, right, and click on it and pull up some information. That information comes from uh, SAP or other systems. So now they know a little bit more about that thing that they just clicked on, that pump. And then the next thing they want to do, let's say you're a maintenance supervisor, you want to Mm -hmm. launch a transaction and create a work order to go fix that pump or inspect it. And then finally, analysis, you may want to do some Analysis, not of just that pump, but how much did it cost us to fix the whole um, pipeline network, for example. So that's a spatial analysis function where you do a network Mm -hmm. trace and gather those costs. So CyberTech helps companies implement those four patterns across all industries. Uh, And spatial applies in utilities and oil and gas companies, uh, infrastructure everywhere. Um, their uniqueness is a very deep bench on both the GIS and the SAP side of the house. And being a full stack shop, meaning work on the low level database creation, geodatabase creation, or database migrations, right up through the business applications and onto the user interfaces. And I provide guidance and advice on leveraging some of the later technologies, including uh, IoT and the uh, Leandro portfolio. Uh, to make these business processes even better. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Still thinking about that drink and missing the snow. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Leandro Rodriguez, <laughs> where art thou? What art thou drinking? I'm waxing biblical here. And what do you do at Esri? Leandro. Yeah, so I'm I'm in Miami right now in Coral Gables, Miami, Florida. And uh, it's uh, 67 degrees and I have a jacket on. For us, it's cold. Um, Rub it in. So, uh, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm drinking coffee, and, um, but it's not any coffee. So in, in our office here, uh, my team and I get to travel to some of the best coffee regions in the world. So Costa Rica, Panama, Colombia, one of my favorite countries, Belize, Brazil. Mm, lucky so we you. have a rule here at the office that each one... Uh, every time we step in one of those regions, we got to bring a pound of coffee or two pounds. So we get our um, coffee stash, and we drink uh, some of those um, every day. So we, 
we get the, it's a it's a real luxury perk for us because we don't just drink store bought coffee. Nothing against that, but we just drink uh, the coffee that we harvest around the world, and they help us understand how location impacts the flavor of coffee. So that's uh, that's our special story about what we drink here. Um, that's exciting. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I know a lot of our listeners would love to work for a company that made them travel around the world looking for good coffee. Excuse me. Okay, go, go ahead, Leandro. Yeah, so that's that's a real perk for us. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Esri, and I'm probably going to uh, – uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm in front of Doug. But um, So Esri, um, in a nutshell, builds the most powerful mapping and spatial analytics products in the world. Um, we have a, around 350,000 customers, companies around the world that use our technology. Uh, many of them you, you might know, or the audience might know. Many of them are, are not. Um, but I like to describe us as uh, better through what our customers do, uh, the organizations that, that we work in. We like to say that our customers create the maps that run the world. Uh, so we work for every, pretty much every single industry, uh, starting from retail, where organizations use our technology to route um, their fleets, to map where they're going to open the new store, to understand demographic and psychographics. We work for utilities and telecommunications, where organizations understand where the assets are and how to get maximum utilization of the, their assets and and respond effectively to shortages. Um, we work for government, federal government, state government, municipalities, urban, uh, urban planning agencies, uh, national cartographic agencies that actually mm-hmm. run the map, have the maps that run the countries. And one of the one of my favorites is that we work with a lot of organizations that save lives. So every day, our software is used to. Uh, respond to some of the uh, tremendous emergencies that happen around the world, like earthquakes, tsunamis, um, and and everything like that. So um, it's a really neat organization. We're about 10,000 employees. We work with uh, about 70% of the Fortune 500 companies around the world. And the representation of our work is our platform, RGIS, uh, which is a, a complete uh, mapping platform for uh, storage of geography, geographic information for analysis and dissemination. Thank you very much. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And Doug Carroll, of course, last but definitely not least, Doug, you're at ESRI as well. What do you do? Hi, Bonnie. Uh, so I'm a developer at ESRI. Uh, this conversation is very refreshing because I've been working on an offline product that has no internet uh, signal or connection to the IoT world. Um, but I've done uh, about 10 years of work in the industry here at Esri where I have worked with IoT signals. So this is great to be on the show. Wonderful. And what do you do as a developer? What do you develop? Is it uh, a software you're developing? Are you developing systems? What, what's your focus? That's a great question. Um, developing systems right now. Um, mainly a system that helps you provide insight um, into big data. Uh, so that data could very well come from an IoT signal. Um, and the system, it's a system of insights that we're working on right now, and I think it, it's fit um, in the business sector 
is, you know, you can look at your data, find new insights through maps and charts and graphs. And I think what it delivers is uh, a sense of conviction uh, to your your C-level executives that can take that information uh, and use it to be competitive in the marketplace. Okay. Um, Insights, uh, when looking at your data, can help you be lean. Um, It can help you uh, prepare and project uh, costly maintenance to to your infrastructure. Um, We do a lot in big infrastructure, cable lines. If a weather event intersects with a, a cable you know, you don't have to inspect the whole line, just, just the part of the cable that, that um, was hit with, like, a cata- Category 4 storm. Um, and, you know, in retail and e-commerce, um, you can use our software to try to find new customers um, that uh, may fit a certain demographic that your product sells well into. Thank you, Doug. Very interesting. I'm glad we're getting to know all of you. I'll just tell you a little bit about what I'm drinking. Uh, they do not allow me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. I think you all know why. So all I'm allowed to have is a glass of cool, clear water. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. Somebody was talking about snow. Somebody was talking about cool and putting on a jacket. Well, I'll tell you that our temperature range today, we started off at 24 degrees and we're going up to 62. Three weeks ago, we had snow. I shoveled coming from New York. I definitely shovel snow responsibly. 48 hours later, it had all melted. The joke was on me, and we went to 72 degrees three days after. I'm getting (laughs) used to the Durham weather, and the mantra here is, if you don't like the weather in Durham, North Carolina, either wait 20 minutes or 48 hours, and it will be different weather. And I'm finding out that that is absolutely (laughs) the truth. So there you go. So I'm envious of those of you who are drinking wonderful coffee right now, because I might go have a cup myself later. I have an espresso, and that's what I'm going to do is find something really really exciting out of the, the the mix of all of the coffees I have. So I tell you what, panelists, we're not going to take a break because we are moving ahead. We don't have that much time left on the show. We've gotten to know you. We've gotten an overview from each of you on what GIS is and what spatial analytics are and all of the good stuff we're talking about. But I really want to dive into the topics you all were kind enough to prepare for the show. So Robert Godfrey of Florida Crystals, I've picked one of your, your topics here. I tell you what, Let's keep it to about 90 seconds of comments so that we can go around the table. And um, I will start with one topic, and then we'll just go around the panel. I understand that, oh, Leo's back. Good. He dropped and called back. Okay. So, Robert, you told me the following. We are building a digital ecosystem of devices. They not only relay important information, but they have a relationship to each other, helping us to build a better understanding of the physical world. Robert, can you expand this for us just for a little, and then we'll go quickly around the table, Steve, Leandro, and Doug, and get their thoughts? Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, sure, Bonnie. Um I'll focus on my where I've been the last few years, which is here at Florida Crystals and agriculture, because I think it's a, a good starting point, and then we can relay that to other use cases. Um, in agriculture, we need to know what's going on all the time. And the way that farmers used to do it is they, they would have to go to their field. Not that they don't, they don't still do that, but... They would have to go to their field. And here, down here, we have hundreds of thousands of acres to manage. And we only have um, less than a dozen farm managers. So how do you allow these, these 
farmers to manage their such a vast, uh, largest amount of land. The way to do that is through using what you were talking about today, which is the Internet of Things. So Mm -hmm. this Internet of Things is this digital ecosystem where we have satellites, um, we use uh, unmanned aerial drones to visualize and, and show information from the field. We can actually take em- empirical snapshots in time and understand how those things relate to the whole, uh, get a holistic view, if you will, of our whole agricultural system. So we have satellite images. We have sensors in the field that are monitoring water level, um, temperature, humidity, wind, just anything to do with that, and also uh, soil moisture. And um, we also have machines in the fields. Machines are doing the work. They're, they're harvesting. They're, they're, they're tilling the ground and getting it ready for a whole new crop. And they are, all these things are relaying that information. So the digital ecosystem is, is pushing all this out there for us. And what, it's our job as the data, the data analytics team to take that data and aggregate it and merge it together into a system of understanding, as uh, Leandro Leandro was uh, referencing. That system of understanding, and and through that, we can efficiently manage our resources and do that for the greater good. Again, we're trying to be eco-friendly. If we know that there's a disease in the field, we can quickly attack that disease, and we do that through constant monitoring from satellite information and you had trigger alerts and basically the ecosystem is is talking to itself if you set it up correctly and all of that is based on relationships of location and and other information provided. Thank you very much. I want to go to Steve Benner. Steve, love to get your thoughts on this digital ecosystem of devices that Robert just mentioned. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Robert's absolutely right and, you know, Florida Crystal is a great example. Um, you know, it's also happening in other industries. Um, there's a large uh, uh, chocolate maker doing the same thing, checking on cocoa beans. Um, I worked on a project with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. There's all kinds of fields that farmers grow things in or don't grow things in, and they get paid uh, based upon what they're growing and not growing. And you have uh, satellite imagery and other um, means to check that farmers are actually uh, complying. And uh, it's just unimaginable all of the things that are being uh, measured. Like uh, Jack Dangerman said, uh, everything is being measured and analyzed today. And the number of sensors are only growing uh, more and more and more. Uh, spatial, you know, it is... Uh, you know, first of all, it's it's a magnet for data. Um, it 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 collects data data from the past, the present, and even future. You know, uh, Leandro mentioned uh, urban modeling. You know, that's planning what what is the population going to be five, ten, twenty years down the road, or utility. What's going to be the impact if we have fifty um, percent of the people with electric cars? What does that mean in terms of uh, you know, places where they can recharge and movement patterns. So um, all of this is uh, mapped somewhere, and it's really all about being able to bring data, whether it's past, present, or predictive future data, 
to bear on that particular location or that particular asset and uh, find out how it can be used to, um, you know, improve people's lives, um, improve the bottom line, and so forth. Thank you very much. Leandro, I'd love to get your thoughts on what we're talking about. Join us, please. Yes. Um, so, no, great, great things. I, I think we're, we're generally in, in agreement. And maybe I can bring a sort of a lateral perspective here. So, number one, I think there are two distinctive areas. So, the first one is, um, yes, there is a ton of data being generated. Um, we're measuring everything, everything, the statics, everything that moves, and that creates a sort of um, a fabric across the planet, like, like the uh, phrase from Jack Benjamin that he used. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the interesting thing. We're being able to uh, correlate these things, to uh, connect these this pieces of data. Um, other, besides saying this is a fabric, others call it a digital twin, um, digital twin of cities, and ultimately a digital twin of the earth. Uh, that's one factor. I think the second, the second line is that it's a real time. It's becoming much more real time. So we're not relaying today on, on static pieces of information. And, and for, for, our, for us, for what we do in GIS, it's not static, static maps anymore. It's actually live maps that are giving, uh, giving us actionable information. So if I, if I can bring an example to bear, um, we work with Walgreens. Walgreens is, is in the U.S., it's a large a convenience store plus pharmacy store. It's one of the largest they have about 8,000 stores. Um, through the information that they get when they fulfill um, vaccination um, or antibiotics um, uh, sort of prescriptions, uh, they created what is called the flu index. And it's a geographic index of where these uh, prescriptions are coming in. So they were able to predict flu outbreaks about a week earlier than CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control here in wow. the United States. So wow. That gives them, yeah, so that, uh, that gives you a, a good idea and a good representation of where this data is coming in and, and what is the impact of that. So you can think about a week, it's not that much, but in helping uh, responding and preparing for, for anything like a flu outbreak, it's, mm-hmm. it's a massive impact. Absolutely massive. And considering that we know in the past couple of years, Leandro, that the flu vaccine that's been circulated or made available around the U.S. has only been hitting, I don't want to quote the wrong statistics, but fewer than 50% of the actual cases because of the variability in the strains we're seeing. Right. So being able to predict it is, that's a hooray as far as, far as I can tell. That's a, a wow and a bravo and, and anything that can do to help. Uh, thank you very much, Doug Carroll. Love to get your thoughts on this. And then I'm going to quickly move to a topic from Steve. Benner's list. So, Doug, what do you think about what we've been discussing? Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. I, I could not agree more with Leo's statement on live maps. Uh, that is that is so powerful. I could not agree more how uh, the Walgreens blue map can really, uh, you know, just help communities that we live in, help people from getting sick. Um, complete agreement. I do want to say that that implementation is everything. Uh, big data, IoT data is very messy. Um, usually it's just going to be raw locations uh, and timestamps. It may have other attributes if we're, if we're talking about like uh, 
heavy industry, temperature, moisture, and speed and exhaust tagged onto that information. Um, In processing and filtering out uh, that data in real time um, is going to be extremely valuable uh, to anybody, any business that needs to to find quick insights from uh, a gigantic data lake. Could not agree more. Um, and, and, and live maps is, I think, revolutionary. Uh, you know, we're so used to these static maps on paper um, when you can look at a dashboard and have a map and see what's happening in your business today. It's very important and very powerful. Thank you very much, Doug. Good go around. Let's see if we can squeeze in a couple more topics before we get to our predictions, which coming up in about eight minutes. Uh, I'm looking at Steve Benner's list. Steve, you say today's IoT is not only about getting location data to the mapping platform quicker, but also filtering and enriching it along the way. Spatial tools are used to identify. Uh, here I am. Where am I? I lost my place here. Hold on. I got it. I got it. Spatial tools are used to identify bad data, like bad GPS readings, and keep it out of the good data pool that's used for visualization and analysis. I didn't know this. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, please, Steve? Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of the uh, data that comes from these sensors through the IoT backbone uh, into your business systems or your database or your data lake or wherever it happens to go is, uh, you know, there's a couple of things about it. First, a lot of it is almost boring, (laughs) irrelevant. Uh, you've got something coming from a machine that's at, you know, running at uh, 70 degrees day after day, night after night, never has a problem. Well, that's interesting data, maybe, but it's much more interesting if there's a spike in it. Um, th- so filtering this data uh, and providing it to your uh, analysis tool is, you know, really important. And GPS is a good example. I'm sure we've all been using our phone before and, you know, the GPS mm-hmm. has put us 20, 30, 40 yards from where it should be. Not a big deal when you're trying to find the local Starbucks, but it could be a big deal when you're trying to uh, figure out if you need to, uh, you can dig a hole in the ground and not run into a gas pipe, right? So mm-hmm. using the GIS to help you uh, validate, if you will, the data streaming in from these uh, IoT sensors is important. And, and the other thing, and, and it's sort of related to what I said before, location is a magnet for data. So that particular sensor or that particular person, for that matter, with their cell phone is somewhere. And that somewhere has a lot of characteristics and some environmental characteristics, uh, like Robert said, you know, temperature, humidity, all of these kind of things. Uh, there may be some uh, demographic uh, data, like I'm sitting right, right here in this town called Yukaipa. There's a whole bunch of demographic uh, data that you could attribute to me because I live here. Uh, there's all kinds of administrative boundaries. I'm within the city limit. I'm in this particular neighborhood. All of these things can be appended to that IoT data to that particular asset and used for further analysis. So IoT predictive analytics is a big um, use case for IoT. Mm -hmm. And what spatial does, it gives you more variables, that demographic data, the environmental data, and so forth. And it also gives you more data. And more data plus more variables equals better predictive models. There you go. I'm Just a quick sidebar here. Uh, I moved to Durham, North Carolina six months ago. We have a massive shopping center nearby. I won't name it, but your GPS will take you into the general vicinity. This is a huge shopping center. I mean, 
humongous. And you get there and it says you've arrived at your destination. You are nowhere near your destination. You're looking at eight major retailers. You're looking at a movie theater. You're looking at about 12 restaurants. You're looking at local stores. You have no idea where you are. You can't see the... You can spend a half hour going around here and it happens to everybody. The GPS, once you get in this area, is simply unable to find a specific address. I don't know why it's current GPS anyway. Just saying, just saying, wish we could get some <laughs> spatial analytics. Anybody have a solution for that one, by the way? Crowdsourcing. Well, the, Crowdsourcing. I, think, I love it. Yeah. Crowdsourcing. Yeah, we, the, we, yeah. No, go ahead. Leandro, I was going to say, I want you to talk about the topic Steve just brought up uh, in terms of cleansing the data, keeping the bad data out of the good data pool, uh, g- getting bad GPS readings out of it. What's your thought on that from your position at ESRI? Just a brief response, and we'll get Doug to chime in. Go ahead. Yes, no, just, just quickly, I think, I think it, the way I, I would describe it is how you, how you understand or how we understand GIS. So as a system, is, is basically three systems in one. It's a system of records where you store the data, you store the information. It's mm-hmm. a system of um, um, insights that allows you to understand and analyze that information, and it's a system of engagement that allows you to communicate through the uh, language of geography. So um, the way you use GIS to do what Steve is describing is the data land in the system of records and then use the system of insights to understand that data, to clean that data, to make sense of the patterns, and then you use the system of engagement to share that to parties that can actually take action. Thank you. Doug Carroll, love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, great. Uh, Bonnie, I think, you know, uh, software that is going to take in big data IoT streams really needs to enable the subject matter experts. And I think that's where industries working in JS are, are trying, that's what industries working in JS are trying to do. So creating drag and drop filters um, so a subject matter expert can filter on topics and geotag incoming streams with information that's going to be relevant and useful, um, you know, that, that is, I think, where we're at today. Um, and... And, and, and enabling subject matter experts to do their job and do analysis is, I think, fundamental uh, to building a, a system that's going to tie together GIS and IoT. Thank you very much. And now, Robert, we quickly need a comment from you, and then we're going to go around the table with 60 seconds each for predictions. Robert Godfrey, what do you have to say about the ability of GPS to filter out the bad stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go a little different track than, than the others, uh, but... Uh, the rest are, are perfectly right. You need experts in the back office uh, filtering and editing data. But looking forward to the near future, I think where we're going to see with these IoT devices is you're, there's going to be more of a focus on artificial intelligence fil- doing the filtering and the analysis for us. It's, it's a new concept. Um, Cisco calls it fog computing versus cloud computing. So versus, you know, in the ethereal cloud, you have the sensors that are on the ground, the, the boots on the ground sort of. And what you'll see is there'll be a focus of, of the, the hardware is getting better, the processing power is getting better, and the, the understanding of artificial intelligence and what we can do with it, with these sensors. It, the, some of the, the minor or the, the less intensive tasks will be pushed to the edge of the network. It's called edge computing. 
and um, this filtering will take place actually out there in the field, and then we'll be able to take the some of these analytical results and the the aggregated data, and then that will go back to the cloud where the heavier analyses will take place. Thank you very much. You know what, Robert? I want to start with you for predictions. Let's take a look. I'm loving 2020. It's almost here. We've been talking about it for, you know, Barbara Walters. 2020. Sorry, I had to say that. Uh, It's coming at us. It's hurtling at us. But we could go out to 2025. What will change about this? this, I'm going to call it an area of science, spatial analytics, GIS, Internet of Things. Uh, I think we're going to leave behind the idea that billions of devices will be connected and go to trillions or even more. But what do you see about the science of spatial analytics? Robert, I'll give you 60 seconds. Predict for me real fast. Go. We're gonna we're gonna just like I was saying we're gonna go more on edge computing the these heavier analytical tasks that we're just beginning to really implement at a democratized level is gonna be pushed even further. You're gonna have devices and sensors that are be doing the work for you. Think of Tesla. Right now we have very smart cars that can drive themselves, but what they're not doing is they're not talking to the cars near them. There's no standardization. And I think by 2020, you'll see that that communication standard uh, and a key part of that is going to be location. Think uh, herds of cars like schools of fish or flocks of birds that, that flow around uh, and avoid, have o- object avoidance just built in and they communicate to each other to make us all safer and, in our travels and, and things like that. Thank you very much. Steve Benner, 60 seconds, all yours. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think in 25 years, uh, the Internet of Things will have pretty much come full term. Uh, The devices to measure things are smaller and cheaper. You're going to see them in everything, not just your toasters and cell phone and everything that you have today, but they're going to be embedded in the cement and bridges, uh, always checking stress, all kinds of uh, devices spread in the environment, sensing and measuring things. Um, I think it will be just recognized or, or maybe not even recognized, right? It's just going to be there everywhere. And the IoT isn't going to be, uh, you know, a real hot topic anymore. I think things will turn to ah. IOY, the Internet of You. I think, where we're going, <laughs> I think where we're going is more and more of what you do, where you go, is going to be gathered. I think the devices that you wear, you know, like now Fitbits will evolve. They'll be measuring all manner of body readings and with, you know, healthcare implications and stuff. I think the environment that you're in will be uh, sensed. I think there's going to be a lot of mining of video. Video is going to be everywhere. And right now you just watch it. I think there's going to be extraction of information from those videos on surroundings. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like, hey, I really like it right here. I like this spot. I like this restaurant. I like this environment. I like this atmosphere. I like this time of day. Just go to your iPhone and you click like, right? And that's going to yep. be saved. And we, when you want to go to someplace like that, you're going to recall that and you're going to be recommended based upon everything that was sensed in that environment of similar place in, a, in another town that you happen to be visiting. So I think it's going to be all about the Internet of You in 25 years. The Internet of Things will just be old news. It'll just be Thank there. you. Thank you. I need time. Great. I need time for Leo and for Doug. Leo, give me just three sentences prediction. We're really out of time. Go ahead, Leandro. Yeah, very quickly. I'd like to say that the future is here. 
but it's just uh, unevenly distributed, and that's a quote yep. from William Gibson. Um, very there are famous. a lot of companies today that, for which location is critical to their business. I think we're going to see an exacerbation of that in the future. Um, I, I'm sure that if I take your audience and I ask them, do you have a location strategy today? Does your business have a location strategy today? It's going to be a lot of uh, um, shiny eyes <laughs> staring in, in nothingness, but I think that's going to be more of a positive answer in the future. Location is going to be much, much more pervasive on how we make decisions, how we run companies, and uh, ultimately how, to be, how we bring success to companies. It's Today, oh, thank you. Uh, we're seeing that momentum, we're seeing that adoption um, in a kind of hockey stick pattern. There are, uh, we, we talk to more and more companies every day that are uh, awakening to this phenomenon of embedding location and uh, geographic understanding for their business uh, and for their activities. So, you know, um, it, it wouldn't be crazy to think that in, in 20 years, um, every single organization will have a very strong uh, location analysis practice. Thank you, Leandro. We are out of time. Doug, I'll give you one sentence prediction. Make it tight. One sentence. Go, Doug Carroll. I think we're going to see more maps in, in dashboards and more sensors on critical infrastructure, Bonnie. Thank you very much, and I understand you're a surfer. I hope you keep surfing. And I have a quick prediction. Internet of you, Steve Benner mentioned, it's going to be called the IOM, the Internet of Me. So there, a little personalization there. I want to thank our four panelists, Robert Godfrey at Florida Crystals, Steve Benner at CyberTech, Software and Systems, Leandro Rodriguez, and Doug Carroll at ESRI. My engineer extraordinaire, Aaron, thank you for being so patient with all of us. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt wherever you are. Maybe there's a sensor in your seatbelt now. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Robert, just like Steve, just like Leandro, just like Doug. And shout out to Ira Burke and Sharon Ohm for putting together this great panel. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week here on Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.